week. So, uh, but imagine 400 years of waiting, and that's exactly what God's chosen people were doing. They were waiting 400 years of silence. Imagine that. They're, they're anticipating, hoping to hear something from God, and yet 400 years of silence doesn't mean that it was 400 years of God not doing anything. A matter of fact, God, throughout those 400 years, were setting things up. You know, we have the, the Old Testament, then we have this period that was known as the intertestamental period, and it's in between this period, or between, and then there's the New Testament, and it's in this in-between period, this intertestamental period where God is orchestrating and setting things up and preparing. And a lot of things happens in this 400 years. Rome comes to power, and they set up new roads, and they become the the dominant country, the dominant land, Rome controls everything, and yet it becomes a perfect time for the gospel to go out and to be shared. 400 years, they're waiting and anticipating, and then all of a sudden, there's hope. There's hope. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Good news has come, and it's not just good news. It's good news that's going to cause great joy for all people. And over the last uh, few Sundays, we've been talking about the characters of Christmas. Because this good news of great joy has impacted so many different people. It impacted Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were great people. They were godly people. They followed all of God's commands, His decrees, His laws. Everything that God asked them to do, they did. And yet, they carried with them this reputation that they were cursed because they couldn't have a child. Good people with a curse that followed them around because they couldn't have a son or a daughter. And yet... Gabriel appears before Zechariah and tells him, guess what, I've got good news for you. You are going to have a son, but not only are you going to have a son, no, your son's going to be very special. He's going to be important. He's going to cause not just great joy for you, but for all people, because the son that you are going to have, he's going to make way for the Messiah. He's going to point the way to the one who's going to come to be Messiah. He is going to teach people the importance of repentance, making a way. And then Gabriel appears before Mary, this teenager, this 13-year-old, and tells her, guess what, you're going to have a child. But not only are you going to have a child, you are going to have a child that is the Son of God, and He is going to save God's people. And Mary was so obedient, she, she does exactly what God commands her to do, and she even said, hey, let it happen as you have told me. Let, it, let that thing take place. And at the same time, we see Gabriel appear a little bit later to, uh, to Joseph. You see, Mary was betrothed to Joseph. They were pledged to be married, and then this time they were pretty much married. The only way to end this would be divorce. And he finds out she's pregnant, and you know, 
he has in mind to divorce her. He's a, a noble guy. He doesn't want to see her lose her life, and, and so he'll divorce her quietly. When an angel of the Lord, probably Gabriel, appears to Joseph and says, hey, this child that she carries, it's not just any child. This is the Son of God. And then the angels appeared to shepherds. You see, shepherds were the lowest of the low. They were despised by the Jews. They were seen as unclean. They were seen as you know, horrible at their job. They, they, there was no good thing said by the Jews about them. A matter of fact, their oral law written down said that if you would see a shepherd fall into a pit, you weren't obligated to help them. They were the lowest of the low, and yet it's the angels who appear to the shepherds and tell them, guess what? We've got good news that's going to cause great joy for all people. For to you tonight, a child has been born, a Savior. He is the Messiah and the Lord. And the shepherds remind us that you know, the gospel is for all people. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your past. All that matters is that the gospel is for you. And the shepherds also remind us that everybody has a part to play in the gospel. You have a piece of the puzzle that fits in the grand story of what God is doing in this world. And so tonight, we're going to talk about one more character in the Christmas story. And what's so amazing is that this character that we're going to talk about doesn't ever really get talked about that much. And this character in the story plays a pivotal role in the, in the story of Christmas, in the story of what God is doing. And this character, their part is to be messenger. The Greek word for messenger, same Greek word for angels. You see, that was their job. That was the angels' job, was to be messengers. And they took their job seriously. You know, for as little as we talk about the angels, it's interesting, they're all over the Christmas story. Who is it appears before Zechariah to tell them, you are going to have a son? It's Gabriel, the messenger angel. Who is it that appears before Mary to say, hey, you are going to have a child and this child is going to be the Son of God? In Luke chapter 1, verse 30, that's Gabriel, messenger angel. Who was it who appeared before Joseph to tell, or to tell Joseph, hey, stick with Mary? It was an angel of the Lord presenting that message. And to the shepherds, who was it who proclaimed that good news of great joy have, has finally come, who has come that evening? Who was it? It was the angels. You see, the angels were messengers, and they were excited to share that message. And the angels play such an important part in this story. The angels' role in the story is supernatural, and it's proof that God is breaking in to the natural world in a big way. The angels are directed by God to, to go to each of these people and to present this message to them. And everything has been leading to this. 400 years of silence has been leading to this moment. You see the king in this world is moving his pieces around for the census. 
And the whole time that he is doing this, the king of the universe was moving people into position for the birth of his son. Everything has been leading to this. And now that moment comes. And one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Christmas story comes in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You see, they've been there from the beginning. They've known the plan. They knew what was going to take place. And yet here we are in this pivotal moment in all of history. And even the angels cannot help but sing. They cannot help but sing and praise God for what He has done. You see, the angels were there to bring good news of great joy. And yet for them, this good news of great joy applied to them as well. They found great joy in what has taken place. And they praise God, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. Peace that can only come from God. You see, at this time, Rome was in control of everything. Rome was in charge of everything. And there was a time of Pax Romana. And what that Pax Romana meant was simply the, the power of Rome, the peace of Rome. Rome was in control, and, and nobody wanted to mess with Rome. And so if you were under Rome, you didn't have to worry. You had peace. But you see, this peace was a peace from war. It was a peace from fighting. But there was a peace that no king, no authority, no ruler could provide for people, and that was peace in their hearts. It was peace in their soul. Nobody could give that to you. No human authority could give out that peace. No, this is a peace that could only come from God. And they celebrate that peace. The angels celebrate that peace, that peace that brings us salvation. Peace that brings us salvation. And you see, the angels give to us a great example because you see, as much as the angels celebrate, as much as the angels proclaim the good news of God, as much as they celebrate and they worship for what has happened, we should have every reason more so to praise God. You see, the angels have experienced the heavenly host. They've been there in the heavenly host. They know what happens in the heavenly realm. But you see, to us, it comes with salvation. So even more than the angels, we should celebrate and rejoice and be glad because what Jesus has brought into this world is peace and salvation. That should, that should excite you. You should celebrate this. You have salvation and when you realize what that means in your life when you realize what god has done for you that joy and celebration should show itself to those around you when you are thankful for what god has done in your life it should show people should know what you believe and who you follow because of the way you celebrate what god has done for you and so you see christmas is tomorrow but what about afterwards what about after tomorrow? What about after Christmas Day? 
Are you going to celebrate then? Are you going to rejoice then? Are you going to be thankful then for what God has done for you? You see, the sad truth is this. For many of us, later this week, we'll start to take everything down, right? We'll take down our Christmas trees. We'll take down the lights, the tinsel, the wreaths, all of that stuff, and we'll take it down, and we'll put them back into their boxes, and we'll drag those boxes up to the attic or down to the basement or out to the shed or wherever you prefer to stick those Christmas decorations when you're done. And we'll forget about them until next year. But for so many of us, Jesus just goes right into the box with the rest of it. Jesus goes right back into that box and we celebrate what God has done for us during the holiday season because everything is telling us to, but as soon as that's done, as soon as the season is over, we put Jesus in that box and we leave it there until next year. Instead, it's something that we should carry with us all year round, not just Christmas, not just the holiday season, Every day from here on out, people should know who we believe in and how thankful we are for what He has done for us. You see, the truth is this. We live in a dark world, and we were in desperate need of the light of God, and we have been given that. We have been given the light of God. When Jesus Christ was born into this world, the light of God has been shown. But even more so, you realize we are called to be light. Not only did God bring light into this world with His Son, no, He also calls us to be light in this dark world. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 tell us, You are a light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that you may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so at this time, what we're going to do is if you have a candle, I encourage you to light it. And as you light your candle and you look at that candle that's in your hand, here's what I, here's what I want you to think about. First of all, this candle represents the fact that God sent His Son into this world to be a light in a dark world. The salvation that we so desperately needed. But more so than that, when you look at this light, let this light be a reminder that you are to be a light. You should be a light to those around you, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your family, to your co-workers. Everywhere you go, people should see that light in you. And that light shines bright when we realize what we have been saved from. And we realize what God has done for us. That should make us want to share that light with everyone we meet. And so, think about what God has done for you. And think about how you could be a light in this world. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much. So much for sending your Son into this world. God, we... We're in desperate need of salvation, Father. We were in desperate need of a Savior. We were destined for a life torn apart from you. But, Father, you chose not to, to let us perish, Father, but you sent your Son into this world for us. And, Father, I pray that as we celebrate 
tonight and we celebrate tomorrow what you've done for us. I pray that it wouldn't end there. I pray that we wouldn't put you in that box with the rest of the Christmas decorations, but we would take your name and we would take what you've done for us and we would share that with each and every person that we come across, that we would tell people good news of great joy. Thank you again for sending your son. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.